Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. You know, Jesus asked his disciples that. So this morning, who do you say that Jesus Christ is? Now, I'm not saying I'm good, that my understanding of Jesus is, is what you need to know, but I, I hope that today you ask yourself that question. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what he stands for? Do you know what he, what he came to do here on the earth? So many times, you know, we define or understand someone or something by past experiences, Okay, by what we have learned through, through personal experience, right? So think about it. Let, let's use the kitchen stove for an example. Let's say that, you know, you know a kitchen stove, it can be used for wonderful things. It can, it, you can cook, you can bake, you can make all of these wonderful things. But let's suppose that, that when you were young, you got burned by the stove, which, you know, God forbid that happened to any child, but I know it happens. We tell our children all the time, don't touch it. Thank God that... My kids have not touched the stove, but the potential is always there, right? But let's suppose that as a child, you touched the stove. You got burnt, and when you were younger, you, you know, you remembered that. So you grew up not wanting to cook. You dislike to cook because the stove is a bad thing. It's not a good thing. So your experience with the stove determined your perception. Now, many of you think, well, that's kind of a silly illustration. Why would you be fearful of the stove? Well, were you the one that got burnt? you've never got burnt, you, you don't worry about it. You know, I remember, you know, another story growing up. My mom caught a dish towel on fire one time. We put it out quick. It didn't cause the house to burn down, but it sure got some excitement in the kitchen like I've never seen. So, so those experiences, those things that we're exposed to affect our perception, our personal experiences affect what we believe to be true. So the same is also true when we think of our understanding of who God is. So if we have lived a life full of the goodness of God, clearly viewed in our lives, then we can, then we can probably have a pr pretty good perception of who God is. Now, on the other hand, what if we grew up with a family that never really taught us about God and you lived a hard life, maybe because of the decisions of your family members or maybe decisions of your own? You perhaps see God as a distant God, one who doesn't care about you. I've seen this example sometimes, you know, where we talk about God as a loving father. Well, if you had an absent father in the home and you didn't have a father that raised you, your understanding of a earthly father can skew the way you see God as a loving father. And sometimes we make judgments in regards to who God is because of life experiences. You may have judged God and said, God, if you were such a good father, you would have gave me an earthly father. But sometimes those perceptions of what we believe to be true will directly affect our perception of who God is. Now, we have to understand that the definition of perception, it says the ability to see, to hear, and become aware of something that through our senses. So this is something that is established through our senses. Understand our senses, not our faith. So we're going to make the transition here of where we, we, what we're exposed to by what we see, by what we smell, by what we can touch, our senses. That, that's, what our, that's how our perception is built. But understanding our senses sometimes is not our faith. So re, we have to understand that, you know, perception does not change reality. And we have to understand that it doesn't matter what, what your perception of God is, that God exists and that he is a wonderful father even if you don't see him as that. So perception doesn't change real reality. 
So reality is solidified by our faith in what is truly true, not what is false. If I, w- if I was asking you this morning to look at something or view, view an imaginary God, then everything we would do this morning would be in vain. But what I'm asking you to do is ask yourself that question. Who do you say God is? Who do you say Jesus Christ is? Maybe you have never ventured to ask yourself that question really personally. Maybe you've went to church your whole life. You grew up in the church. But have you ever, do you know God? Or do you just know of God? Guys, there is a completely difference. There's a big difference between just knowing of God and knowing God personally. You may be able to quote scriptures. You may be able to, to memor, you know, memorize certain things. But apart from that relationship, everything is in vain. We're missing the whole point. It's all head knowledge. It's not heart transformation. So John 18, 37 through 38, this is what it says. It says, in fact, this is the reason that I was born. This is Jesus talking. It says, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then verse 38, right at that beginning, Pilate asks, he says, what is truth? So that's the defining question this morning. If we cannot define what true truth is, it's going to be hard for us to believe or or focus on anything or really define who God is or how do we see God if we don't know what truth is. So everything that Jesus said and did was perfect and right. You have to believe that because if, if God messes it up, if Jesus messed it up, then we serve a flawed God. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus was spotless and perfect. He never messed up. He did what was right. He did what was perfect. Why? Because he's just like God. The two are combined. They're connected. There is no separation between the two. It says, you know, that Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. So when we look at that passage, that that he is never changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So sometimes that can work in our favor. I know with my children, there are good days and there are bad days. There's days that they listen and they're obedient, and man, it is a pleasure for me to be their father. But let's say that there's a day where they're rebellious, they don't listen, and God forbid they talk back to mama. My kids don't talk back to my mom or to to my wife, so don't hear me say that. But let's say this hypothetically, we had a really, really bad day. Well, me as a father, I'm up and down like this, guys. The thing about Jesus is he is consistent you know, he, can, he, he remains calm. He remains consistent. He makes the perfect response every single time and loves us even when we have horrible days, just like our children do sometimes. He is consistent. So it works in our favor because if, you know, if we get you know, rebellious or we get more disobedient to the things of God, God's love remains faithful and true. Now, some of us, if we don't have a clear understanding of who God is, that's hard for us to believe. We think that when we have good days, God loves us more. When we have bad days, God doesn't like us. He, he's disowned us. And then some of us will realize that by how we come back to the cross or how we come back to the Father. We come back feeling like we have to re-earn salvation. Either God's grace was good enough or it wasn't, guys. And God loves us unconditionally. He, he loves you just as much at this moment as he ever will. We have to understand that God and Jesus are exactly the same. They're the same in nature. They have the same goals. They have the same thoughts, and they act the same. John 14, 9, it says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. 
the disciples were asking, we want to see God. And that, that was his comment. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you have seen, seen the Father, you have seen me. They were completely unified in the way they acted, the way they, they did. He came to testify to the truth. He was the truth. So all through the Bible, we see stories of men and women that had a close relationship with God. And you could tell by how they talked with God. You know, so how they talked with God, you know, is based on how they experienced him personally in their life. Not just knowing of him, but truly knowing him. I already made that statement. There is a big difference between knowing of God and truly knowing God. You know, my children, I'm sorry I keep going back to this. I have kids. If you don't have kids, give me grace this morning. But, man, my kids, they know that they can come to me. Now, they don't want to come to me when I'm mad and I'm disciplining them. But if they have a request or they need something... Every time we go to the store, it's been a while with my kids going to the store. Hopefully, we'll get back to the normal soon. But there's not a time that I go by the gumball machines that my girls ask me, Daddy, do you have any money? And almost every time I say, no, I don't have money. And then they go over there and they persistently, I don't know if you've seen it, they grab the little handles and they shake it back and forth. But you know what happened? One time, my middle daughter, Cassidy, hit the jackpot because she turned it and something came out. So every time she goes and she's always looking and every now and then she'll get one little piece of gumball or one, you know, one little runt that'll come out, you know, and, and, and you know, but they, they ask me for things every single time. Why do they do that? First and foremost, they know that I can supply the need that they need to get what they want. Now, if we would be as wise as our children sometimes and approach Father God like that, he would give us more than we could ever imagine. But some of us don't have a right perception of who God is, and we feel like we can't approach him and ask him for things. Maybe he said no in the past, but normally when God says no, listen to this this morning, when God says no, it's for your benefit. It's not to cause you harm. It's not because he doesn't like you. It is what is best for you. But when God says yes, it's, it's in your favor. God knows the perfect will, the perfect plan for your life. And when he says yes, know that that is the right response. But we have to be, be okay and, and trusting God and knowing who God is and approach Him boldly, just like our children do. But there's a difference between knowing God, knowing of God, and truly knowing God. Matthew 16, 13 through 16, it says, When Jesus came to the region of, of Caesarea at Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do you say the Son of Man is? Verse 14, they replied, some said John the Baptist, others said Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, and one, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? So right there, they, they, were, they were talking about everybody else, and then Jesus hones in and says, but who do you say that I am? And in verse 16, Simon Peter answers, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So this morning, you have to know that who you believe Christ to be today will directly affect your response to his involvement in your life. You have to realize that. You know, if there's belief and there's, there's faith, then you will allow a place in your life to trust him and have confidence in Jesus. On the other hand, if, if, if you don't trust God and you, and you don't trust him to be the king of the world, then you have a mindset that says, I can do this on my own. Now, I know all of us, even as Christians and believers, we've all gotten to that place. I've gotten to that place you know, where we're stubborn, where we're hard, where we're difficult, but we say, God, I can do this on my own. But God has a great way of humbling us and bringing us to our knees to the place of where we have to acknowledge him for help. 
but He promises to always come to our rescue. So this morning, I want to look at two different passages in, in Scripture. We're going to look at, look at a Scripture in Luke first, and, and then we're going to look at a, another, another passage um, in Matthew. So let's look at Luke 23, 39 through 43. That's Luke 23, 39 through 43. So this talks about Jesus and the criminals on the cross. I know we just came out of Easter, so m- many of you probably have read this story, but I, I want to look at it because I really think it portrays a good focus as, as far as someone realizing who Jesus was and, and the results that came of that. So Luke 23, starting in verse 39, it says, One of the criminals who hung, on, hung there ins- hurled insults at him. Are you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. He said, don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, verse 41, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. So when we look at this passage, we have to understand that first what happened was both criminals asked to be saved. They really did. Both asked to be saved. But we have to understand that one of these men on the cross had a true revelation of who Jesus was and applied faith. How do we know that faith was applied? Do you realize that there was nothing that this criminal could do to earn salvation? He was stuck on a cross, and he was very near to his death. He couldn't earn salvation. All he could, could do was apply faith in who Jesus Christ was. So he put his hope and his faith in him. So how do we know if it worked? You know, that's always the question. Well, we didn't see any deeds. We didn't see any fruit. There was no opportunity for him to prove that there was a heart transformation. But let's notice what Jesus' response was. He said, indeed... Today you will be with me in paradise. When Jesus says, you will go with me to my father's house, you will be with me in paradise, something happened. Faith and revelation of who Jesus was, was was brought to that criminal on that cross that day. And that day, at that moment, he was in paradise with Jesus. You know, I I want all of us to be aware that today... Every single one of us are deserving of death for what we've done in this lifetime. We are all guilty. We are all criminals on the cross. Now, some of you may say, well, I was a good kid. I didn't mess up that much. I listened to my parents. Do you realize that all of us were born in sin? And when you're born in sin, there has to be a sacrifice for sin. It has nothing to do about being good enough. It doesn't have anything to do, you know, you saw the Pharisees all through the word of God. They were doing what was right, but their hearts and their mouths were far from God. You can act right, but be completely lost. But we're all guilty. Romans 3, 22 through 25. It says, starting verse 22, Romans 3. This righteousness, so when we say the word righteousness, that is in right standing with God. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. And listen to this verse 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by the grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. Verse 25. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. So when we break down that passage, what is it saying? First and foremost, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if you didn't want to take my word for it that, you know, that's the true reality of where we're at, that's what Scripture says. We've all fallen short. 
Just because you're a Christian today doesn't mean that you still don't need the blood of Christ over your life. We have to understand on the flip side of it, the blood of Christ does not give us a license to sin or do whatever we want, but it should be causing us to become the righteousness of Christ. It should keep us in a place of right standing with God. If God does a heart transformation, it should change the way we act, the way we think. It should change everything about us. So if we've never, if we've just said the words, but we've never believed the words that we've said, because both of those criminals asked to be saved, but one had a revelation of the heart. But we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption of Jesus Christ that only comes through faith in his blood. We're going to look at Hebrews 9. We're going to look at verses 22, 26, and 28. Hebrews 9, 22, it says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Okay, we look at 9.26. It says, But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. This is referring to Jesus. Then in verse 28, it says, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. Listen to this part. This, this is the part that should really get your attention. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So guys, are we paying attention to what Jesus is doing in our life? Are we ready? You know, I don't want to be caught in a place where I'm not ready. I am not waiting on the father to come back. I don't want to be distracted with the cares of this world. I don't want to be so busy that I miss it. Am I waiting for him? You know, I hope this morning that there's many people listening this morning that, that are waiting on him. That you're not distracted with the busyness of life, that you're not here just to, just, to, just to buy your time, that we are focusing on what Jesus wants to do in our life. But today, if you have realized that you have not searched or looked for him, then there is still time for him to be found. If you cry out as a guilty criminal, as the, as the guilty criminal did, salvation will come to you today. Revelations 3, 20 through 22, verse 20, it says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will open the door. I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Verse 21, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with the father on his throne. He who has ears, let him hear what the scripture says to the churches. Okay, I want to look at one more passage real quick. Matthew 20. I am going to read through all of this uh, quickly and then we're going to break it down. Starting in verse 20 of Matthew, we're going to look at verses 1 through 16. Starting in verse 1, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men for work in his vineyard. He agreed, he agreed to pay a denarius uh, for the day and sent them out into the vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Verse 7, because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and then going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. When they came, uh, 
So, so when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them uh, also received a denarius. When they, when, they reached, when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour. Then they said, you have made them equal to us who have, been, who have bore the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he, he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Did you not agree to work for one denarius? Verse 14, take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want to do with my money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Verse 16, so the last will be first and the first will be last. So when we look at that passage, a denarius, what it was, it was the value of a day's wage for a Roman soldier. This wasn't just a, a, a petty, insignificant amount. It was a day's wage. It was a silver coin. So the work day started at 6 in the morning and it ended at 6 in the evening. So when it says that they were hired first, the first group was hired at 6 in the morning. The next group was hired at 9 in the morning. The next one at noon. The, la the next group at 3 in the evening. And that last group at 5 p.m. So they worked from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Now, if they all knew that they were getting paid equally, some of us may choose and say, oh, man, I want to work that five to six because I'm going to make the exact same amount. But we look at the heart of the, of the landowner. What does he say? He says, it was a privilege to extend the same generosity to all. So no matter how long the workers worked, they each received a full day's wage. So how does this story really apply to the criminal on the cross? Similarly, the thief on the cross will enjoy the full blessing of heaven alongside those who have labored their whole lives for Christ. Such is the grace of God, guys. And some of you this morning, you think it's not fair. You've lived a life of blessing and prosperity under the hand of God, having a relationship with God. And you are the one that is making a judgment against those who are coming in to the Father's house. It's not you who offers salvation, but it is Jesus Christ. He is the one that determines who he allows in and who he rejects. So we have to understand that the grace of God is the kindness of God giving us what we don't deserve. And each of us have received that. You know, I've heard many, many testimonies of other Christians. You know, they communicated how, how they came to know God. I love hearing testimonies. Some of them were children. They've known God their whole life. Some were young men and young women, and some were older. Now, some of the older ones wish they had come to the knowledge of Christ sooner. But nonetheless, they made it. So the most important decision, guys, that you will ever make in your life is either to follow or deny Christ. That's what it comes down to, one or the other, to follow Christ or deny Christ. Today, I want each of you to, to be, God, today, God wants each of you to be part of his family coming to the knowledge of who he is. It's a serious time to ensure where you will go when you die. Some of us are living life like we're bulletproof and we're guaranteed to live for an eternity. I know that times like now cause you to really reevaluate things. But the choice that you make now in this lifetime is going to directly impact where you will spend eternity. There is a heaven and there is a hell. There's not an in-between. Just want to make sure you know that this morning. You know, I'm here this morning to introduce you and lead you into a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Acts 4.12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, 
For there is no other name under heaven given to man by which man can be saved. Jesus Christ is the only way. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1 and 2. It says, As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he said, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. So I'm here to declare this really as a prophetic word to you today. I tell you, now is the time for God's favor. And now and today is the day of salvation. Please don't wait another day. So what are you going to do with this man named Jesus who loves you and gave himself for you? If you know him, then he is expecting you to live a life and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Philippians 1.27, I charge you to be a Christian worthy of the name of Jesus, filled with his compassion and his love for the people of the world. That's what, that should be our response as believers, as Christians. We should reflect that nature and that DNA of Christ. But today, if you don't know him, I'd really like to introduce you to him, the one who came to save and transform lives. I want you to know this morning that you're never too far gone. You've never went too far that Father God cannot redeem you. Romans 10, this last passage I'm going to share, Romans 10, 9 through 10, and then verse 13. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Verse 13. Uh, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's conditional. Is, is God drawing us? Is God leaning towards us? Does God want us to be saved? Absolutely. But it says everyone who calls, that's something that you have to do. That's your response. That's not his response. We have to understand the death on the cross, everything that God was going to do, he's already done it. Now he stands at the door, he knocks, he says, if you hear me knocking on your heart this morning, please allow me to come in. If you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, you will be saved. Today's salvation is this close to some of you listening today. Maybe you've never been sold out for God. Maybe you've messed up really bad in the past and you've been a believer for a long time. I believe that there are new days, there's new seasons, there's new moments where all of a sudden everything changes and you return to the father just like the prodigal son. And the father, he doesn't just stand there and wait, but he runs towards you. He celebrates your return because he is passionately in love with you to the point of sending his one and only son to die on a cross for your sin. So this morning, wherever you're at, if you desire to surrender your life to Jesus, I'm just gonna encourage you to pray this after me. And I believe just like that, that criminal on the cross, if you believe it this morning, that salvation will come to you and your life will be forever changed. You guys repeat this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sin and I invite you into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you did that this morning, 
It's all it takes. God didn't make salvation a complicated thing, but you have to be intentional about it. So this morning, if you made a choice to follow, follow Christ, let us know about it. Go to, go to our website. There's, there's a little prayer request tab. Put something in there. Let us know that happened. Maybe put it in the comments. I would love to spend some time with you and know about it. But I believe that God is once again drawing the hearts of the lost to him. And I would be ignorant not to offer you the greatest gift that I have and that I know of this morning. But I know that the scripture says, when one chooses to repent and turn, all heaven rejoices. So this morning we celebrate our family of God being expanded. It's not about denomination. It's not about being a Catholic. It's not being about being a Baptist. It's not about being non-denominational. All it's about is your relationship with Christ. And today, if you've done that, you have become a part of the family of God. And so we celebrate. We are excited for you to be a part of that. Once all these churches reconvene, I encourage you to get plugged into the local body of Christ because it is of significance importance that you're involved in a local body, people that will encourage you and love on you. So we love you guys. Hope you enjoyed the message today. Hope it came across as passionate as my heart is this morning for you. But we just love you. If there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. Uh, leave a comments in the comments section. Go to our harvesttimebaycity.com page. Uh, send us an email. Let us know what we can do for you. We love you guys. We are so excited about what God is doing in this season of, of, of the world. But I know that the best is yet to come, and he still, he still has a lot of plans as long as there are breath in our lungs. You guys be blessed. We love you. We'll see you guys next week. Next week, Pastor Jim will be preaching. So we'll work through those details of that. But come expecting an awesome, powerful word. We love you guys. Hug somebody to your left and your right. Hopefully everybody's family in the room this morning. If not, I mean, do what you want. It's in your home. But you guys be blessed. We love you. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.